This is Jess and Mason with A Mostly Green Life, the podcast that's making sustainability and our connection to the environment more fun and approachable for the eco-curious. Today we're chatting about food waste, pet nutrition, and a new company we're launching to help both. Jess and I are passionate about sustainability. We're also rather seasoned entrepreneurs. Our last product company that we started, CC's VeggieGo, made fresh pasta out of vegetables. It helped create a brand new category in the grocery store and was wildly successful, landing number three on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in the nation. One of the things we've wanted to do with Mostly Green Life is help companies that are helping the planet, and in some cases, create companies that are helping the planet. One of our very first podcasts was with a longtime friend and entrepreneur, Jeff Payne. It was called The Dirty Truth About Compost. We talked about all things compost and how to compost at home. After the episode, he showed us some projects he was working on. Jeff and Melanie, founders of Break It Down, have been experimenting with how to upcycle compost into useful products besides just dirt. So let's start with a couple of primers for people who haven't listened to that episode. First, let's talk about upcycling. Mm -hmm. What does that even mean? At the core, it's a concept of taking a product or waste stream and converting it into a higher value product. Examples are like taking the grains that are used to brew beer or alcohol after the brewing process and making flour or bread or other products that we can still eat. You see, the vast majority of brewers just throw this grain out, even though the only thing that has been removed from the grain is some of the sugars. The rest of the nutrients, including proteins, fiber, and vitamin minerals, are still in those grains and are just being thrown out. It's an absolute waste. Earlier this year, we interviewed Dan Kurzrock, founder of a company called Regrained and also co-founder of the Upcycled Food Association, to talk about this and the innovative things he's doing with this so-called spent brewer's grain. Another example is a company called Pulp Pantry, where they take the pulp from cold-pressed juice companies, which normally goes to waste, and upcycles them into chips. Make sense? Makes sense. <laughs> Now, composting is already keeping waste out of landfills, but it's not creating products to feed people or pets, which is a requirement to join the Upcycled Food Association. It's feeding bacteria, which then that bacteria poops soil. So soil is great and all, but it's not what we'd call the highest and best use of perfectly good human food that goes to compost all over the world, especially restaurant kitchen scraps. These are animal and vegetable scraps that are perfectly good to be eaten. And what we're recovering at The Conscious Pet is clean, high-quality kitchen scraps and unused foods from local restaurants in Austin before they're seasoned or plated. So it's not what's left over on a customer's plate after they dine or anything like that. These kitchen scraps get thrown away or composted. Most food scraps at home should definitely be composted, though. There's just a few exceptions, like sometimes you can re-sprout vegetables or feed meat scraps directly to your pets, but usually the biggest mouths you can feed with home scraps are bacteria mouths. That's what I used to say at CC's Veggie Co. We were already sending all of our scraps to compost, but I was on a mission to find bigger mouths to feed. Pets, babies, adults. They're all a much better, more efficient, and more complete use for food scraps. At CC's, we had tons and tons of zucchini, butternut, beets, cauliflower, a bunch of veggies, all totally delicious, but none of them in the whole veggie form anymore. They were little pieces that got cut off or things that were left over at the end. An interesting point here, too, is that we're currently trying to work with CCs to get their butternut. I don't run the company anymore, but I know they're still producing massive quantities of butternut pieces, so we're trying to get those into Doggy Bag. So the opportunity to divert food waste from restaurants, which is a huge issue. 27 billion pounds <laughs> a year in yes. the U.S. kind of issue 
And right now, over 90% of that still goes to landfills. Combined with creating a new complete and balanced dog food, right? Who could say no to that? (laughs) So Jeff from Break It Down, he came on our podcast. He showed us some, let's call it, works in progress. He was experimenting with the proprietary process to upcycle these ingredients. When he would apply the process to food scraps he was getting from the restaurants, he didn't actually know what was going to come out on the other side. Sometimes it would be a brown powder. Sometimes, like with pineapple, the fiber was too thick to do anything with, and the pineapple fiber would come out on the other side. So lots of experimentation. And one of the streams of food scraps he was getting was a mixture of chicken and pork and bones and all that comes with it. When this went through his process, it already looked a whole lot like soft, dry dog food. So we asked him questions about the process as we were already researching how to feed our puppy the best food at the best price at the time. See, when we got our puppy and started researching food, we noticed something that we thought was absolutely insane. Kibble, which is still like 80% of dog food sold out there, is cooked at crazy temperatures, usually up to 500 degrees Fahrenheit for a very long time. It's crazy. I mean, there's got to be, there's no nutrition in that at that point. What if you cooked your food at 500 until it was burnt brown? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was ridiculous. So still not 100% sure why they do this other than to make sure, absolutely sure, There's no nutrition left in it. Certainly the fats have gone completely rancid. And so I think that's one of the, they probably do it for shelf life is really the end of the thing because they make that powder and that powder can probably last for years and years and years. But the fats are gone, if not completely rancid. Amino acids would be bound up in compounds, reducing their bioavailability. And they just kind of mash the powder that comes out of the cooking process with grains and filler to literally make it take up more volume without adding any nutrition. just We just couldn't believe it. Yeah, so we gave raw food a try because it seemed to be the highest nutrition that we found. Um, so it definitely has good nutrition, but we also have two kids who, who share in feeding duties, and so we immediately could tell that it wasn't going to uh, be the safest and easiest. <laughs> they were going to struggle with feeding instructions and, and having to wash everything and make sure it's still sanitary. So everything that touches the food bag right after feeding the dog. So whether it's a scooper or a spoon or the bowl or plate that you put it on, everything needs to be washed and sanitized, including your hands and any surfaces that was touched during the process. It's crazy. And so we, we knew that we weren't doing that exactly correctly. (laughs) (laughs) So raw can be really messy too, making all of that much, much harder. I mean, who really wants to do that every time they're feeding a dog? What we think most people do is a quick wipe or generally say, Hey, probably not that bad. You know? Yeah. So we looked into it deeper because sometimes people want to scare you about something that's not really an issue. But it turns out the FDA did a study on the two most deadly pathogens in the kitchen, E. coli and salmonella, comparing kibble and cooked pet foods and raw pet foods in a few hundred homes. The results were not great for raw. There were zero instances of home contamination with kibble and cooked foods, but dozens, literally dozens for raw food. The chances of you catching E. coli or salmonella from your raw pet food is not zero. And it's not actually as close to zero as you think it is. So if you're feeding raw, please, please be careful. Definitely follow instructions for washing and sanitizing surfaces. Coming from a human food safety background, we know the outbreaks that are possible, the risks that there are, and you really should try to be safe with your raw pet food. So we ditched the messy raw food, which our freezer thanked us for. It took up a ton of space and started digging a little bit deeper. What we found is a new category of foods all around the concept of 
It's either called gently cooked, some brands call it air drying, some call it dehydrating, but essentially it's cooking at temperatures that are low enough to keep fats and proteins and vitamins completely intact, but just high enough to completely kill pathogens, which is a minimum of 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Most brands don't tell you their exact temperatures, but we generally trust these three categories. If they're doing, you know, at home you can dehydrate things at like 105, 110 degrees, but you don't want your dog food air dried at very low temperatures. You want to make sure things are cooked to 165, but as little over that as you can get. But of all of these that we could find at least, still either had animal meals, which are cooked at high temps just like kibble, or grain or legume fillers. And there's a new controversy around grains and legumes. A lot of people are trying grain-free diets because they seem to be better in general than grain-based diets. And I also feel like a lot of people try to copy their own diet. So a lot of people who are grain-free themselves or gluten-free probably are also feeding their dog like that. Yeah. Um, But recent research shows that most companies making grain-free pet foods is just replacing the grains with legumes. Well, what's wrong with that, Jess? (laughs) Well, some research came out showing that grain-free diets lead to heart problems in pets. Crazy, right? Yeah, definitely crazy. And it's real. I mean, all of the vets that we've taken Ellie to and what we've seen online, I mean, it is a real thing. It is happening with grain-free diets, but it's not because of the lack of grain. Well, evidence is mounting and that there's new research being done right now to try to get to the bottom of this. But one thing that can't be ignored is that in the studies, the grain-free diets all had legumes in them. So that original study in the DCM, its grain-free diets seem to have heart problems, but uh, vets don't necessarily agree that it is legumes, but it is really the only main thing that was changed. Yeah, the jury is still out on that, right? Yeah, right now, it doesn't look like there's definitive information that we can all take the dog food bank. But if there's a question about an ingredient, we think it's best to avoid that ingredient. So to us, both grains and legumes are absolutely in question. If we get definitive information saying either one is safe, we'll stop avoiding it. Yeah, but for now, it seems that all dog food that is not raw either has animal meals, grains, or legumes, and all has fillers. So there's just not a perfect food out there that we could find. So with Jeff's idea to upcycle restaurant kitchen scraps, we realized we could also have the opportunity to formulate what we think is literally the perfect dog food. We have designed our own proprietary production process that creates a shelf-stable, complete and balanced, nutritious dog food. Everything we've dreamed of. That's right. We couldn't find it out there, so we created it ourselves. But the product needs to be consistent and restaurants seem anything but. Transitioning dogs from one food to another can take a week or more, and we can't be feeding dogs a different food every week. So how do we make sure to make the product consistent? I'm glad you asked, Jess. (laughs) Turns out this food waste problem is so freaking huge that we can literally get tons of the exact same mixture of ingredients on a monthly basis. A ton is 2,000 pounds as a refresher, so we can make tens of thousands of pounds of dog food every month that have the exact same recipe. Amazing. Okay, so we've got plenty of supply. We're partnering with Break It Down to upcycle restaurant kitchen scraps. Amazing for the planet, and we're making the perfect nutrition for dogs. The ingredients aren't the only part of a food company that affects the planet, though, so what else can we do? Of course, we don't want to make such an awesome product and package it in unrecyclable plastic metal films like literally every other dog food. Mm -hmm. There are some dog food companies where they're working with TerraCycle where you can return it, but like 
what percent of people are doing that? Yeah. How many of y'all are sending things to TerraCycle on a regular basis? So we knew we needed to do better than that. So we spent the time and paid the extra dough to use 100% compostable packaging because it's what's right for the planet. Now, we're partnering with a compost company already, so we don't use that term lightly. In fact, our colleagues over at Sun & Swell, a plastic-free grocery company, use the same bags, and they actually did an experiment where they put it through one of those countertop composters, the Lomi. And guess what? What? It turned into the same compost as veggie scraps and other organics turned into soil even in the home setting. So we are going to do some more experiments around this. We're calling it 100% compostable, but I think the kind of gold standard would be backyard compostable mm -hmm. is what I think we'll end up putting on the package because I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And what about the carbon? Well, if we hit our goal on WeFunder, which we'll talk about in a second, we're going to put solar panels on the roof and take the whole operation off the grid. Even with our vehicles, our partners' vehicles making deliveries, we are still a carbon-negative operation, and we'll get that certification as soon as we're up and running. Not only that, but we're a public benefit corporation, which means taking care of the environment is baked into our bylaws so it can never be tossed aside for profit. And we're a zero-waste company as well. Uh, amazing. <laughs> Do you think we hit every single sustainability hot button? I hope so. I think everyone related to dog food, at least. Yes. <laughs> So is there any way for people to get involved? Amazingly, there is. Now, normally, people who are not what's called an accredited investor, high net worth individuals, can't just go invest in a company where they're not related or, or know well the people that are starting the company. There's rules for companies about who you can take money from. But in recent years, Congress passed legislation and then rules that create a safe structure for anyone to invest in any startup on particular platforms that meet stringent criteria. They have strong rules to protect people from fraudulent companies. They call it the community round of funding, and the company that is absolutely killing it in this space is WeFunder. WeFunder has over 1 million investors and funds hundreds of startups a year. We're doing a community round on WeFunder because we want our customers and supporters to also be our investors. If you want to get involved, head on over to WeFunder at www.wefunder.com slash theconsciouspet. You can invest for as little as $100 and be part of our growth. We have a very unique deal that gives investors a cut of their revenue until their capital is returned. So you start making money right away and you get quarterly checks until you've gotten all of your money back. But, and here's the best part, but you still get equity in the company to earn return down the road. Money back as part of revenue and potential upside with dividends, profit shares, or a company sale down the road. And pre-orders are also open for the Austin area. So if you really want to show support for this amazing venture, you can sign up at www.theconsciouspet.life. We'll start delivering the week of June 27th. We are a direct-to-consumer company for the least amount of dog food miles. Pre-orders from now until then, and then we start delivering the goodness right to you. So this has been a really, really fun project. Our partners are amazing people doing good by the planet, and we get to do what we do best, create businesses and brands that help the planet. We hope to do this more in the future. We'll keep pumping out fun and inspiring sustainability stories on mostlygreen.life, and we'll 
Also, either find great projects to give a little boost, or like in this case, find great ideas that we want to help get off the ground and help launch a company. If you want to be involved in what we're doing, reach out. We talk a lot about building a team that goes around and does this and launches new companies and new projects for the planet. So we'd love to hear from you if you want to get involved with that. Thanks for joining us for this very unique episode of sharing what we've been up to. And thanks for listening. Hey.